Detectives from the Special Crime Squad have charged a 48-year-old Kudal man with the murders of Jane Rimmer and Kira Glennon and attacks on two other young women, a 17-year-old in Claremont in 1995 and an 18-year-old in Huntingdale in 1988. For two decades, the isolated city of Perth on Australia's west coast, its population, 2.1 million, an economy powered by precious deposits of gold and vast reserves of iron ore, had been soaked in fear, mired in mystery, tormented by false hope and swept up in curiosity. We would like to know where Sarah is. It looks more and more like Jane has been abducted. Uh, I must uh, admit that as the hours go by, I get more and more concerned, yes. She was happy, um, gave me a hug, kiss, goodbye, thanks for dropping us off. It's the last time I saw her. We think there is a likelihood that there is someone out there who's uneasy about someone that they know. We certainly have fears that there is a serial killer at loose in Perth. So, when the state's police commissioner, Carlo Callahan, fronted a media conference on December 23rd, 2016... The West Australia Police has made a significant breakthrough in this long-running case. An entire community breathed a sigh of relief. The protracted police pursuit of whoever had abducted and murdered three beautiful young women between January 27, 1996 and March 14, 1997, had apparently reached its zenith. The man was arrested at his Kudale home yesterday and charged in the early hours of this morning. My name is Gary Adsett and I've been a television, radio and print journalist in Australia, Britain and New Zealand for the past 35 years. I've covered the biggest organised crime stories, reported on the most sensational political news and been an eyewitness to unimaginable human cruelty and the most miraculous of human survival. But there is no story like this one. There has been no ongoing mystery so tragic and yet so compelling. The Claremont serial killings, with all the years that have gone by, all the twists and turns that have unfolded, is a story that has fixated this city. Now, there's a man named Bradley Robert Edwards, aged 50, who stands accused of murdering three young women. The former telecommunications technician and Little Athletics volunteer has pleaded not guilty to eight charges. The murders of Sarah Spears, aged 18, Jane Rimmer, 23, and Kira Glennon, 27. He's also accused of abducting a 17-year-old girl in Claremont in 1995 and raping her in the grounds of nearby Karakata Cemetery. Seven years earlier, he allegedly broke into a house south of Perth in Huntingdale and attacked an 18-year-old woman before she managed to flee. So the most talked about cold case in Western Australia's criminal history 
has been reawakened 23 years later. Culturally, Claremont has, has, has imprinted itself on, on WA um, basically since the first day the, uh, the first girl went missing. But um, even legally, I think there's an anticipation of this trial um, uh, finally starting. Scheduled to begin in July and run for at least nine months, this will be a trial like no other. And Tim Clark, legal affairs editor at Perth's Metropolitan Daily newspaper, The West Australian, has seen his fair share. The preparations are, 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 have been going on for two years just to house it. Um, the preparations to prosecute it have been going on for more than two years. Um, and the, 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 the size of it can be shown by uh, there's actually a line in the state budget for the last two years um, on Claremont and how much it's costing. So, I mean, that in itself um, speaks volumes as to um, um, just the enormity of the, of the, of the whole thing. It's high stakes, isn't it, in terms of a legal case and the, the amount of eyes that are on it, the amount of attention that it's going to get. Eric Cook is the is the only other sort of accused that springs to mind with that level of notoriety. But in the age, I mean, you know, when, when Cook was tried, um, there was hardly any television, let alone um, uh, the 24-hour, uh, the, the seven-day-a-week intense scrutiny that's going to be on this trial. A new generation is now in the grip of all the intrigue. Claremont will again be the major talking point when mates meet in the pub or families gather for a barbecue. And the voices of the past will resurface to remind everyone of the pain people suffered for so long and the frustration that grew as a killer remained on the loose. Claremont is one of Perth's most sought-after suburbs. Old money, mansions, private schools, seemingly perfect people, living seemingly perfect lives. In summer 1996, its bustling Bayview Terrace and surrounds were a magnet after dark for a generation of young, upwardly mobile types. They were keen to catch up with friends at the Convivial Continental Hotel, or down a few cocktails past midnight at the seductive Club Bay View. Australian television and radio broadcasting star Basil Zemplis was in his mid-twenties back then, and he was a Claremont regular. It was a hotbed of activity, if you like, and, and for a certain group of youngsters, that was their place. They weren't going into Northbridge, they weren't going into Fremantle, they were going into Claremont. It was just where they hung out. So, Basil, was it a safe place to be? Look, safety never really came into it because there'd never been anything like this. It was just the place. And in fact, not a lot of thought went into safety until these terrible events. So it was the nightlife strip where people wanted to be seen. But on Friday, January 26, 1996, the start of the Australia Day long weekend celebrations, young women began vanishing. But it's been six days now since Sarah was last seen at Club Bayview in Claremont. 
Nobody's actually voicing the worst fear yet, and police are still optimistic, in public at least. Sarah Spears was a bright and bubbly 18-year-old secretary with a smile to match. She'd been at Club Bayview with friends until approximately 2am. She left alone, called a taxi from a phone box on the corner of Stirling Road and Stirling Highway, and was never seen again. One of the West Australian newspaper's crime reporters at the time was John Townsend. That January was, was hectic. There were a lot of things going on at the time. Uh, there was an infamous uh, event where a, a man's dogs killed a, a woman at, uh, up at uh, Wanneroo and he'd been charged with manslaughter only a few days before this happened. There was any number of matters going on and I, I recall being, being flat out and I, I, did, I did a count. I had 17 page one or page three police stories in, in January. Because it was back in the day when cops and crime reporters drank in the same bars, Townsend knew soon enough that the disappearance of Sarah Spears would not have a happy ending. I recall very clearly that the police said, formally during the, during the press conference and, and behind the scenes when you're talking to them, this is not a missing girl. She's, she's too responsible. We know, you know, we, and that's why they jumped on it so quickly. This, we suspect foul play, and as it's proven, they, they were correct. So... There was no consideration given, maybe in the, in the opening hours perhaps of the, of the investigation, there was consideration that she might have stayed with friends or whatever, but that was discounted within, within a few hours and it was, they, they saw it as being a, a missing person with, with the, and the fear that foul play was involved. Sarah's father, Don Spears, was a legendary sheep-shearing contractor from rural Darkin, which is about 200 kilometres south of Perth. He and his wife, Carol, were going through hell. If anyone knows where Sarah is or if what's happened to Sarah, just put us out of this pain. And we just hope that the right person will come forward and just take the worry off our shoulders and at least let us know what's going on. Given that Sarah had telephoned for a taxi minutes before vanishing, cab drivers were immediately a focus of the police investigation. No one had seen Sarah struggling or being forced against her will into a car. It was likely she'd stepped into what was, or appeared to be, a taxi. Crime reporter John Townsend. So, for whatever reason she got, it, she got into a car, you presume. Um, but that thing, there must have been... Dozens and dozens of people. It was a pretty busy night. It was uh, the Australia Day long weekend. It was very hot weather. There were people out and about in Cottesloe and Claremont and the cl at the Club Bay View, obviously, where, where she had been with her friends. Um, but there were cars around. There were people around. There were people walking home. And for her to be waiting at that uh, phone box for, for a few minutes before she went missing, I, I'm sure there were people who saw her but weren't aware of what they saw. You know, driving down Stirling Road or driving down Stirling Highway with the, the cross street, or people who'd seen their, her waiting and, and didn't put two and two together, perhaps. The thing that's resonated with me for more than 20 years covering that story was that she was at that phone box. She made a phone call to, the, to, the, uh, to get a taxi at 2.06am 
And at 2.14, the cab arrived. So in eight minutes, she's gone missing. No one saw a thing. Well, hundreds of people saw things but didn't see anything of any significance. Police chased the dead end early on in the investigation when a female taxi driver mistakenly believed she had dropped Sarah and a male passenger off at an apartment complex in nearby Mosman Park. Help find Sarah posters were plastered across Perth and Club Bay View's owners even offered a $10,000 reward for any information. Detectives needed a solid lead and they needed it fast. Somebody saw something that was quite clear and we need to find that person. Meanwhile, John Townsend reported that in the two years leading up to Sarah's disappearance in 1996, there had been two other unsolved attacks on young women who had left Club Bayview. One involved a 17-year-old abducted and then sexually assaulted the previous year in Karakata Cemetery. Had a rapist escalated to murder? Worse still, was there a serial killer in the making and preparing to strike again? I I interviewed uh, several women, one of whom about uh, 18 months earlier had been in a cab on Bayview Terrace driving down towards the river and a man was hidden in the back seat and grabbed her and she jumped out of the cab, um, broke her ankle really badly, was off work for about six months as a result of that and she rang, you know, that was within, I think that was probably either the next day or the day after that, she rang the West to say this is what happened to me. So there was people already suspecting that this was more than just a, a missing girl. I recall police saying, this isn't the first one, and it might not be the last one. These are identical clothes to the ones Jane Rimmer was wearing when she disappeared five days ago. As the trail grew colder by the day in the search for Sarah Spears, the worst-case scenario became a reality on June 9, 1996. Another young woman was gone, and there was no escaping the chilling similarities of the two disappearances. 23-year-old childcare worker Jane Rimmer went to Claremont for a night out with friends. CCTV captured her image outside the Continental Hotel shortly after midnight. An unknown male spoke to Jane briefly before she was seen walking away on her own, perhaps to find a taxi. Like with Sarah, no one saw a struggle or heard a scream. Another mystery was unfolding. Another family was growing desperate for answers. Of course, anyone with any information, if they can contact the police... Or if, by chance, Jane is listening, please give us a call. Yes, we love you, baby. But Trevor and Jenny Rimmer's horror story would reach a fatal conclusion three weeks after their emotional appeal. Jane's body was found naked in a shallow bush grave on August 3 in the southern Perth suburb of Wellard by a woman and her children who were out picking flowers. Claremont, a shopper's delight by day and a clubber's paradise by night. Now it's officially the stalking ground of a serial killer. Crime reporter John Townsend recalled the sudden shift in the intensity around reporting on Claremont. Someone was missing, 
someone was murdered. So the, basically it just brought it back. I mean, we'd had six months earlier, just just about six months earlier, Sarah Spears had gone missing. It, it was a pretty strong story for a while. Then naturally it faded away because there'd been no developments. And then when Jane Rimmer went missing, it, it went. It went really hard. And then it was driven so much stronger two weeks later or so when, it, when her body was found. So suddenly it had gone from being two missing girls with a link, with a suspicion, to the, the worst possible result. And I think the discovery of Jane Rimmer's body was the thing that gave it, that drove it so much and made people realise, particularly young women in Claremont, I've been standing on that road hitchhiking or waiting for a cab or waiting for my mates to pick me up or whatever. It could have happened to me. And I think that was the moment where it went from being a, a story that would, you know, people thought, geez, this is a terrible story, to, to a story where people thought, that could be me. And just describe it, though. I mean, you've been around for a long time. You've reported on many crimes and many stories. But this one here has lingered in Perth. It's become part of the fabric of this city. There wouldn't be a dinner conversation over many years that you wouldn't talk about the Claremont serial killing case. It has kind of captured everyone's imagination. A lot of people would have known the area. They would have known Club Bayview. They would have known either Sarah Spears or people like Sarah Spears, people who'd been... Uh, to schools in the area, had, had were boarders from the country. People who'd been down Stirling Highway had been to the Claremont Hotel. They, the, the area was so well known and people, I mean, there's barely a person in Perth who wouldn't have driven down Stirling Highway at some point. So. And, of course, it's worth saying now that it was known because also there'd been ten, other ten years other earlier. disappearances and, the, and other killings. Yeah, the, the Bernie killings from 10 years earlier, 1986. The, the four that the Bernies were convicted of, three of them came from... We're on, we're on Stirling Highway in either Claremont or Nedland. So that, it was a notorious place. The investigation into Jane Rimmer's death and the disappearance of Sarah Spears has become one of the biggest police investigations in WA history. Police have spoken to more than a thousand motorists, knocked on 1,500 doors in Wellard where Jane's body was found in the last seven days alone. Posters and billboards with the faces of both women were now seen all over Perth and beyond. One read, Jane is no longer alive. Sarah is still missing. Can you help with some of the unanswered questions? Ease your mind. Alleviate your fears. This was a direct approach to anyone who was close enough to the murderer to know something wasn't quite right with their behaviour during the times that Sarah Spears and Jane Rimmer went missing. Up-and-coming Perth-born actress Isla Fisher, who went on to marry Sasha Baron Cohen of Ali G fame, was asked to make an appeal. People can't just vanish without no one having seen anything. So please, if you've seen anything or you know anything, please tell someone for everyone's sake. When 18-year-old Sarah Spears disappeared after a night out in Claremont, her family thought the pain couldn't get any worse. The biggest wish I could ever gain at the moment is to be able to wrap my arms around Sarah and have one of her hugs that she used to hand out so freely. By August 3, 1996, detectives had the body of Jane Rimmer 
and a crime scene, but they were still no closer to finding Sarah Spears or to catching the Claremont serial killer. And he was not about to stop. Coming up in the next episodes of Claremont, the podcast, another young woman disappears and police target a public servant who insists they've got the wrong man. No one's um, ever had anything to, to fear from me. I mean, I'm, I'm just a person who's got, who got caught up in this whole thing, just probably being nosy. And I've always said all the time that I, I've had nothing to do with it. Hear the extraordinary interview. This podcast was written by me, Gary Adshead, produced by Clarissa Phillips, recorded in the studios of Red Wave Media and made possible by the archived resources of Seven News Perth and the West Australian.